You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. You know, in a conversation Jesus was having with some religious scholars, he was asked a question, what were the greatest commandments? Or what was the one greatest commandment, the most important commandment? And he answered the question by saying the two most important commandments are to love God and to love people. Seems very simple, doesn't it? But it's not actually always the case. But when we know what it is and how to love the Father and live in the Father's love, he gives us the ability to love others, regardless of whether they love us back. It's a fundamental foundation for Christian living, to love the Father and to love others. The two most important, Mark 12, 29 to 31. The Lord Yahweh, our God, is one. You are to love the Lord Yahweh, with your God, with everything you have, every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, with every thought that is within you and with all your strength. This is the greatest and supreme commandment. And the second is this, you must love your neighbour in the same way you love yourself. You will never find a greater commandment than these. These were the two greatest commandments, but the greatest commission to you and I as Christians, as believers, as those that know the love of the Father is to actually go and share that love with the world, to show people who God is, to tell people who he is through our actions. I love watching that video of with the soup kitchen. It's actually giving without any expectation of receiving back. It's pure love. That is the Father's heart. And in Mark 16, 15 in the Passion, it says, and he said to them, as you go into all the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. But before we go out and do First and foremost, we're called to be in his love. Because as we are in his love, he enables us to go out and be effective in our doing. Because he is the one that enables us to reach others. I love what Rick Warren says in The Purpose Driven Church. It's a book. It is worship that provides the motivation for evangelism. It produces a desire in us to tell others about Christ. The result of Isaiah's powerful worship experience was Isaiah saying, here I am, send me. True worship causes us to witness and that's in Isaiah 6, 8. So first and foremost, love comes from the one. From God, he is the one and that's where love comes from. 1 John 4, 7 in the Passion says, those who are loved by God, let his love continually pour from you to one another because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. I love that. Everyone that is fathered by God. The extravagant gift given to us freely, God's first response love toward us is his son, Jesus Christ, the saviour of the world. 
We've all been given that. And even before we even existed, God decided that he loved you so much. He loved me so much. He loved everyone online in chapel so much that he was going to send a saviour for us, to save us from ourselves. I remember so vividly when I first was introduced to the love of the Father. It so overwhelmed me. I just wanted to tell everyone about it and that was like when I was 18 years old, almost 42 years ago. That extravagant love just so overwhelmed me. I had known a measure of love before but nothing like this rich, deep, pure love that the Father poured out to me the day I opened up my heart to him. I realised at that point just how lost I was when I was found by him. Anybody else can witness to that? I remember lying on my bed with an aching heart, crying out as a young girl, as a young 18-year-old. I wish I could live my life all over again, not realising that my life could be different. I thought that was my lot in life up to that point, that nothing would change, that it couldn't change. Previously to that, for four plus years, drugs was something that just deadened the pain in my heart temporarily. It was a false comfort comfort and respite from my reality. But God saw the cry in my heart. I'm so thankful for the but God moments that we've encountered as his children. He heard the cry of my heart that day, but then he engaged someone else to lead me to the one. I didn't just stumble across him. He used somebody to bring me to him. Somebody like you and I. In my case, it was actually my brother. But God uses us to be a channel to show his love, to bring us, to bring everyone to the one. So love comes from God, from the one, but love flows through the one, which is us. We are the one that God has entrusted his love to show the world to. 1 Peter 2, 9 to 10 in the message says, but you are the ones chosen by God. Chosen for his high calling of priestly work. Chosen to be a holy people. God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him. To tell others of the night and day difference that he made for you. From nothing to something. From rejected to accepted. We have a world out there that is longing to be accepted. Longing to be long, and we have the answer. Our connection and relationship to God is what infuses us with a love beyond ourselves. It's an agape love. It's defined as an unselfish concern for the welfare of others. It's the highest form of love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, until then, there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love, yet love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. I love how the Message Bible puts it, trust steadily in God, 
hope unswervingly, love extravagantly. And the best of these three is love. We are the ones that God's chosen to work through to reach them, to tell them, to show them His love. Not His laws, not religion, but love, pure love. It's not about keeping His love to ourselves. We can get so caught up in our own bubble that we forget that we are actually His mouthpiece. We are His instrument to show the world who He is. You know, there are so many people just like I was. So many crying out, deep down, quietly crying out to God. Can anybody see me? Is there a purpose? Can my life change? And we know, yes, it can. God's love can change everything. The job description and responsibility that Jesus left you and I before he left this earth was to see the one and to lead people to the one. That's it. We get so complicated and what am I supposed to be doing? What's my life? What's my call? We compare with maybe what we think or see others to be important in doing. But the simple message of the gospel is to love God and love others. Show people this agape love. The kind of love that's been modelled to us through Jesus laying down his life for us is a different kind of love. It's a first response kind of love. It's a love that gives without expecting anything back in return. It's a love that just gives, a love that does, just does, a love that just is. It's a counterculture love to what the world displays. There's a story in Luke 15, to 11 to 32, I'm sure we're all familiar with it, about a father who had two sons. And they were going to get their inheritance, but one son wanted his inheritance early. And he went to the father and he said, I don't want to work here anymore. I want my inheritance up front. Perhaps he had let pride enter his heart. Maybe entitlement, arrogance. Maybe he just wanted to be self-sufficient or maybe he was seeking completeness. He went out looking for love in all the wrong places, looking for what only the father could give. And he gets to a place where he squanders everything. He comes to the end of himself. The other son was the good son that stayed by the father and worked the land and was working hard. Yet this young buck went out and tried to take on the world on his own. And he came to the end of himself and it says he came back to ask the father for forgiveness when he got to that place. The interesting thing is that the father didn't do what the religious brother wanted him to do. The religious brother, as the father, the son came back, didn't even want to go out and celebrate. He didn't go anywhere near the party. But the father didn't ask the son that went astray any questions. He didn't make him jump through any hoops. He didn't make him feel guilty or ashamed. 
He just responded to him with an extravagant love and embraced him. That's our job. Our job is not to judge. Our job is not to bring the four spiritual laws. Our job is to love with the love of the Father. The boy's father was ready and waiting for him to come home, ready to pour out love before the boy even had a chance to say sorry, before he even had a chance to show him that his life was all cleaned up, before he had a chance to prove that he'd had a change of heart. The father's heart was just open to the son. In the book, The Prodigal God, it says nothing, not even abject contrition merits the favour of God. The father's love and acceptance are free. Let's never forget that. We've experienced that love. We've experienced that forgiveness and that's the love and forgiveness that we need to extend to others. A first responder is a person amongst those responsible for going immediately to the scene of an emergency to provide assistance. Someone who's prepared to move quickly. That's what the father did. That's what our job description is. His word teaches us to be love does kind of people and allow our lives to be poured out. You know what that requires? It requires for us not to live from our feelings, but from our spirit man. From the spirit man, the love of Christ that lives in us. It requires us to be God responders, not me self responders. I remember when I first became a Christian, I had the opportunity and God graciously set me up to live with this couple who had sold out for Jesus. And they had made a decision and a choice to give their lives to showing people and introducing people to Jesus and then helping them grow in their relationship with God. And I got to live with this couple as I navigated my way into God's purpose and plan for my life. And it was a time of healing, a time of restoration, a time where I passionately fell in love with God and got to know in part a measure of his love for me. I say in part and a measure because who can ever get to the end of God's love. It's so deep and wide and high. I can't comp comprehend that in a moment of time. But their investment into my life set me up to want to do the same, to see the one, to invest into the one, to help the one find the love of the Father. Luke 6:38 in the message says, give your life away. You'll find life given back, but not merely given back, Given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. And then in Proverbs 11.25, again in the Passion, those who live to bless others will have blessing heaped upon them. And the one who pours out his life to pour out blessings will be saturated with favour. You know, we can never outgive God. We can never out-love God. Our lives are here to be poured out in loving God and loving others. I read an interesting article about a guy, to my knowledge, is not a Christian. He's actually a horror novelist. His name is Stephen King. 
And he said this, a couple of years ago, I, find out, I found out what you can't take it with you means. I found out while I was lying in a ditch at the side of a country road covered with mud and blood and with the tibia of my right leg poking out of the side of my jeans, sounds a bit like a horror movie, like a branch of a tree taken down in a thunderstorm. I had a MasterCard in my wallet, but when you're lying in a ditch with broken glass in your hair, no one accepts MasterCard. We all know that life is ephemeral, which means lasting a short time. But on that particular day, and in the months that followed, I got a painful but extremely valuable look at life's simple backstage truths. We come in naked and broke. We may be dressed when we go out, but we're just as broke. Warren Buffett, going out broke. Bill Gates, going out broke. Tom Hanks, going out broke. Steve King, broke. Not a crying dime. All the money you earn, all the stocks you buy, all the mutual funds you trade, all of that is mostly smoke and mirrors. It's still going to be a quarter past getting late whether you tell time on a Timex or a Rolex. No matter how large your bank account, no matter how many credit cards you have, sooner or later things will begin to go wrong with only three things you have that you can really call your own, your body, your spirit and your mind. So what I want you to consider making your life one long gift to others, and why not? All you have is on loan anyway. All that lasts is what you pass on. We have the power to help, the power to change. And why should we refuse? Because we're going to take it with us? Please. Giving is a way of taking the focus off the money we make and putting it back where it belongs, on the lives we lead, the families we raise, the communities that nurture us. A life of giving, not just money, but time and spirit repays. It helps us remember that we may be going out broke, but right now we're doing okay. Right now we have the power to do great good for others and for ourselves. So I ask you to begin giving. I think you'll find in the end that you got back in return far more than you ever gave and did more good than you ever dreamed. Wowza. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. Perspective is interesting, isn't it? You know, we have the DNA of God within us and he is always giving. As we stay connected to him, we can be a conduit to others. At the end of the day, what matters most is living out our lives for what is eternally important, loving God and loving others. A simple, uncomplicated, yet powerful foundation for living. You know, we all get caught up in the trap of living like we're never gonna die without the urgency of eternity in sight. And it's so important that we keep praying for our family Keep praying for our loved ones. Keep praying for our friends, our work colleagues, our uni friends. Keep eternity in sight when we're in relation with them. Show them the love of a father. Love comes from the one, God. Love flows through the one, us. And love is for the one, others. Luke 15, four to seven in the Passion. There was once a shepherd with a hundred lambs, but one of his lambs wandered away and was lost. 
So the shepherd left the 99 lambs out in the open field and searched in the wilderness for that one lost lamb. He didn't stop until he finally found it. With exuberant joy, he raised it up and placed it on his shoulders, carrying it back with cheerful delight. Returning home, he called all his friends and neighbours together and said, let's have a party. Come and celebrate with me the return of my lost lamb. It wandered away, but I found it and I brought it home. Jesus continued in the same way, there will be a glorious celebration in heaven over the rescue of one lost sinner who repents, comes back home and returns to the fold. More so for all the righteous people who never strayed away. Do you know the shepherd went looking for the one. He went looking for the lost one. He didn't stay with the ones that were already found. He didn't stay with the ones that were already in the safe paddock. He went looking for the one. You know, as Christians, we know where home is. This is awesome to be in community and family and build relationships and lifelong friendships and do life together. But let's not just get comfortable in a huddle with those that are around us. Let's never lose sight of the lost one. Who's your one? Who is it in your life, the one? Let's be more purposeful in leading lost people home, just like the shepherd. Let's never forget that we were once the one. Never lose sight of that. A sad story about Christopher Circe, who was playing a basketball playing basketball with his friends in May 16, 1998, when he was shot in the chest and a bullet perforated his aorta. His friends helped him get to within 40 feet of the entrance to Ravenswood Hospital and then went inside and asked for help. The hospital staff refused to help Christopher, saying that it was against the hospital's policies to administer aid to those outside the hospital. Eventually, a policeman was able to get a wheelchair and wheeled Christopher into the hospital where he was helped by the hospital staff. It was too late, however, and Christopher died about an hour later. Many times it seems that churches are surrounded by people that desperately need to hear the gospel, yet Christians are content to share it only with those that manage to come inside the church. Wow. Wow. Let's never be those kind of people. You know, when our son Daniel first needed glasses, we had been out on a friend's boat many times to the Great Barrier. Um, They're actually friends that are in the North Campus. And they graciously invited our family out many times when the boys were younger. And for the first time, we were out on the back of their uh, boat looking up at the stars in the evening. And our son Daniel was there and he just was like gobsmacked. He was so overwhelmed looking at the stars. And the stars had already always been there. We'd been on that boat many times. He had just never seen them before. Because the glasses adjusted his focus and gave him the ability to see clearly. It gave him the ability to see the individual stars that we had already seen many times. Before, it was just a milky mass to him. He just thought that's what it was like. But when he put the glasses on, he literally couldn't believe his eyes. 
as he saw these thousands of stars before him. Now, sometimes I think as Christians, we can lose perspective of the one. Life becomes a blur. It's all too hard. We're so focused on ourselves and our stuff that we forget what we're here for. Paul last week said, let's not get so weighed down with non-eternal issues and lose perspective. John 3, 16 to 17, for this is how much God loved the world. He gave his one and only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish, but experience everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but to be its saviour and rescue it. The question is, have we been looking, but not intentionally seeing? God wants to give us clarity and the ability to see the one, because people are lost all around us. People are crying out, but can we see them? More importantly, are we looking for them? Because they're there. Our job description, if you're ever wondering, which is the big question everybody wants to know, why are they here? What's my what? Well, this is every person in this room's what? Everybody online, everybody in chapel. Our job description given from Jesus before he left earth was to be the one, to see the one and lead people to the one. That is our what. Luke 19, 1 to 10 in the Passion says that Zacchaeus, a tax collector, was a very short man and he couldn't see over the heads of the people. So he went on ahead of everyone and climbed up a blossoming fig tree so he could get a glimpse of Jesus as he passed by. When Jesus got to the place, he looked up into the tree and said, Zacchaeus, hurry on down for I am appointed to to stay at your house today. So he scurried down the tree and came face to face with Jesus. As Jesus left to go with Zacchaeus, many in the crowd complained, look at this, all of the people to have dinner with, he's going to eat in the house of a crook. Zacchaeus joyously welcomed Jesus and was amazed over his gracious visit to his home. Zacchaeus stood in front of the Lord and said, half of all I own I will give to the poor and Lord, if I have cheated anyone, I promise to pay back four times as much as I stole. And Jesus said to him, this shows that today life has come to you and your household. For you are a true son of Abraham. The son of man has come to seek out and to give life to those who are lost. You know, Jesus always, always, all through the scripture noticed the one and he reached out to them because that's who he died for. He didn't die for the ones that have it all together. He died for the lost one. I remember being in Queenstown, I think it was at the end of last year, and we were walking down the main street. There were a lot of people, and the Holy Spirit just illuminated a girl to me that was in front of a shop who looked very dismayed. She had tears running down her face. The closer I got to her, I realised that she was a scared little girl. She was a young woman and I found out that she was from Germany and she was on her big OE by herself and she had gotten very sick. 
and she didn't know what to do. She was frantically on the phone trying to call her mum. It was a different time zone in the world, so she couldn't get a hold of her mum, and she just was panic-stricken. So I just went to the girl, I stopped, and I asked if she was okay, and could I help her? And, you know, it was just a simple little thing to actually notice. I could have noticed her crying and kept walking, but I stopped, asked if she was okay, found out what her issue was. And then I thought, I know somebody who's got a church down in Queenstown. I'll ring City Impact and ask if they know anybody that is a doctor down here that could help this girl. And so in the end, somebody came to the girl. They went out of their way to help this girl, took her into their home, got her sorted out. And then I heard afterwards that that girl went to church on the Sunday. Simple little thing. There's so many like her. We just need to look for them. So many that have got that cry, quiet whisper, Is, does somebody care? Does anybody see me? I'm desperate. Again, Pastor Paul said last week that there's so much of the world is behind a mask. You know, when we look at people and we perceive them to be whatever it is we see, but perception is such a liar. Deep down within the heart of men and women, behind the mask is pain, shame, loneliness, hopelessness. And we are the grace bringers. We are the ones that bear the love of God to the world. Ephesians 1, 11 to 12 in the Message Bible. And the team are going to come and join me. It says it is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, He is working out in everything and every one. His eye is toward and heart is toward every one. He loves extravagantly and his love is extravagantly generous toward each and every person. It keeps being poured out. It never runs out. So let's be people that pay it forward. Be the one, lead the one to the one. It sums up the importance of the commandments to love God and to love people. 1 Corinthians 6.13 in the message says, keep your eyes open, hold tight to your convictions, give it all you got, be resolute and love without stopping. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.